is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Check, check. Is this thing on? Yeah, it's working. That was a fun segment. Elliot Friedman hosting for me as I work through my technical issues. Thank you very much to the weather in the greater Toronto area for causing so many issues and power surges in my area. Lovely. Uh, hopefully there's no power surges out east where Jason Bukala joins us from uh, NHL on sports and former director of amateur scouting for the Florida Panthers. Jason, are you safe? Is everything okay out east? You know what? It's uh, it's a horrendous day. I can't sugarcoat it. It's uh, it's about minus 30 with the wind chill here in London and it's blowing around. It's not a great day. What are you going to do, right? It's uh, <laughs> I know. December. I know it is. It's one of those things, and I I understand and I get it. That's fine. Um, okay, so wanted to to preview the uh, the World Junior Tournament here with you, but I wanted to maybe look at some big picture things first. And for, so, you know, you've you've been to these tournaments before. You've been to a, a bunch of these tournaments, not just the World Junior Tournament, but from a front office perspective or a scouting perspective, does having a good World Junior tip the scales more than a mediocre or or world junior tournament like how do you view a best on best tournament in terms of long-term projections especially since we're talking about young men here 17 and 18 year olds generally yeah you know perspective is everything you, know, you got a real mixed bag of uh, prospects especially this year at this event with all the draft eligible 2023 draft draft eligibles that are going to be in attendance uh, and then you got guys like Wright and uh, gunther coming back from the national hockey league so I think the expectation, the bar should be set higher, obviously, for guys who have had a cup of coffee at the National Hockey League level and have been kind of programmed uh, even over the first three months to, you know, the the finer details in the game, the pro details, if you will. Um, Some of the younger kids, um, you know, you also have to put perspective into that. Like, uh, you know, if you look at Team Canada, uh, you know, Fantilli is obviously a high-end draft target for this year. He's a centerman in Michigan. He's a skater. He loves to be able to roam all over the ice. He's playing wing for Team Canada, which is going to cut the ice in half for the way that he likes to to focus on his game. So, you know, do you hold him accountable if he doesn't produce as much offense or he doesn't have as many touches or he doesn't transport the puck as often as he does at Michigan? Again, you just have to kind of take it for what it is. What I really like to look for is uh, detail, compete, uh, pushback, that secondary effort, you know, somebody steals it off you, I want to get it back. Am I physical? Am I going to the hard areas? You know, you're off the puck details. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but it's a best on best, and uh, there's only one puck. So, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of detail away from it. So when you're watching this tournament and you're, and you know, maybe there's some teams that, I mean, we, we live in an, an age of information where everything is at our fingertips. You want to know something about a player that maybe a lot of people don't know. It's pretty accessible, but do you ever, do you ever catch yourself at a tournament going, I, I didn't know a ton about this player. Maybe it's a player from Austria or Switzerland. One of the, the countries that is not necessarily a powerhouse, but you, you find maybe a diamond in the rough or, or you say, you know, I, I want to look more into this player because I really didn't know much about them. And now I'm very intrigued. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happens, you know, in, in scouting, a lot of times, uh, you know, you go to the rink and you're looking for player or you're going to look at player a, and he's a high end target and you walk away with player, you know, C, D and E. And this is an event, um, you know, a, a guy that uh, jumps out at me is, like the Reinbacher kid who's a defenseman playing for Austria, you know, he's a guy that's gone from uh, playing in Austria to uh, the Swiss elite league, uh, playing for Cloton. And here's a guy that a lot of guys haven't had as many eyes on in live viewings, and they're going to get way more. I'm talking about North American scouts. They're going to get way more at this event. Now, Austria is probably going to be under duress uh, a lot of the time, and he's a transitional kind of offensive guy. So it's going to be interesting to see how somebody like that uh, ups his game and stands out. Um, there's a goaltender for Sweden, though. Uh, uh, I forget his first. I think it's Oscar Limbaugh, if I'm not mistaken. He's a seventh-round draft pick from the Vegas School of the Knights in, in 2021. I think he's going to be their starter at this event. And, you know, good on Vegas for seeing something a couple of years ago. If you look at his, uh, his projection at that time and how he's progressed to today, so that's an example of exactly what you're talking about. A guy that stood out, uh, they, they took a run at him in the seventh round, and he's looking like he's going to be an NHL goaltender on projection. So 
there's a couple of examples right there. Yeah, he's had a really good year in the Allsvenskan from from what I've been reading. Because, you know, I watch a lot of Allsvenskan hockey, uh, Jason. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, you, you you wrote an article for sportsnet.ca outlining some draft-eligible players to watch in this tournament. And we, we know the obvious guys like Bedard and Fantilli and Carlson because they're projected to go in the top five. I mean, Bedard's going number one. We can safely say that. Um who are who are some of the other players, whether they're draft eligible or not? Uh, let's maybe maybe focus on draft eligible because that's what you wrote about that you're looking for. I know you mentioned uh, uh, Redenbacher. Uh, who is there? Somebody else that you have your eye on in this tournament? Uh, the Sandin Palika kid out of uh, out of Sweden, right shot D, uh, transitional defenseman, five ten, five eleven, somewhere around there. He's about 180 pounds, but he's an elite skater. I mean, he is. Um, I don't know who I can even compare him to right now. Like his edges, his agility, he can lead the rush. He can join as an extra layer. He can walk the offensive blue line. Uh, he's more of a distributor than a shooter. Uh, I'd like to see him get more pucks to the net because he shoots it from range with accuracy. Um, but that's a guy uh, that, that is really rising in the draft rankings right now. And, and I'm keeping a close eye on him. Um, there's a couple other guys that, you know, have been underwhelming, and it's going to be interesting to see how they play at this event. Like Charlie Strammel from the United States, he started the year as a projected top 10 pick. For me, he's fallen out of the first round. Um, he's coming into this tournament as a big power type of a forward, big body, not a guy that's going to have the puck on his stick a lot between the blue lines. But from the hash marks down in the offensive zone, extending plays along the wall, going to the crease looking for garbage, uh, I'm going to be looking for those finer details. I actually don't need him to score, but what I need him to do is extend the play, battle, and play to an identity. Um, so there's a name that I'm keeping a close eye on, uh, a close eye on as well. Um, obviously, the, the high-end guys are getting all the attention, the Bedards and the Fantillis, and uh, there's there's going to be some other under-the-radar under guys that are going to creep up, though, for sure. I'm glad you mentioned, and Jason Buchel is our guest here, NHL and Sports and former director of amateur scouting for the Florida Panthers. And I'm glad you mentioned I don't need him to score because there are a lot of people that will watch and and some do the box score watching. Like, I get that. Maybe you can't commit the time to, to watching every game, but there are some guys that you watch and say, oh, well, you know, they, they only had, you know, four points in, in six games, but. There, there are so many intangibles, especially, you know, in, in what you do and in, in watching these guys in terms of like in these tournaments, especially in the international tournaments, we find that the physicality is not necessarily what it might be in the leagues that some of these guys play in, whether it be in, in the CHL or even in college hockey for a lot of these guys. How much do you think stylistically watching it you see the differences and, and say well that's not his game and he's not playing that is it important for you to say he can play two different styles like he can play a, a game that's a little bit more wide open or he's got to play a checking game because that's his guy like we're talking about maybe um the difference of of draft slotting for a guy that can play different styles of hockey if you know what i'm getting at here yeah no 100 percent. i mean I could write a, a novel on players who were high-end scorers at the major junior level, even in Europe for that matter. Um, but when they come to uh, the National Hockey League level, like the opportunity to play a top six role in the NHL is, you know, there's 32 teams and there's, you know, six forwards per team. So out of all the world population of prospects, think about that for a second, less than 200 guys play that role. So, you're going to have to bring something else to the table. You're going to have to have another element that you're going to be able to provide. And it could be simple, something as simple as um, you could be on your strong side in the defensive zone, uh, you know, often icing. The, the coach can count on you to win that faceoff, and now you start with control of the puck. It might be a set play in the neutral zone. You know, it could be all kinds of different things. Like Tofi Roney is a, is a draft pick of the uh, Calgary Flames, and he's playing for Finland. Now, he's a big body who projected to be kind of a, a potential middle six score, maybe a top six score at the NHL level. What he's doing already for Finland in the, pre, in the warm-up to this tournament is he's killing penalties. He's using his length, like he's a tall, long guy, 6'3", 180 pounds or so. He's using his length to get in the lanes. He's bumping a little bit along the wall. And so, to your point, 
He's showing me that he can do other things than just score. And it's going to be important for uh, prospects like that and even the draft-eligible guys to start to evolve and, and show the scouting fraternity that that's what they can do because there's only so many jobs. So I wanted to wanted to nail down on on Canada and the U.S. here a, a little bit. And when I when I run down the Canadian roster, the one thing that stands out to me is how big this team is. And that's yeah. not always the case because you know I I know that they generally take the best players and and guys will play. You know, like you mentioned, Adam Fantilli is is playing out of position. He's playing on the wing instead of center. But these this team, like I, I can't remember a Canadian team that was this big in the last five or six years. Yeah, I think we could even go back further without even investigating it. You're you're bang on. I mean, this team is monstrous. And not only can they play with skill and speed, but they can also play hard in the trenches or they forecast to be able to do that. You know, if you look at their third line, even if we want to call it a third line, because, you know, I said last night on on, on Sportsnet Central there or Hockey Central that I don't know if, if you can go one to four with the group. Like, it's that good. It's that deep. Um you know, if you look at the, the Dean kid with playing with Waugh and Goche, um, and if they're on the ice with like Nolan Allen and the, and the Maciej kid from uh, Ottawa, that you're talking about five guys on the ice that are, you know, six, two, six, three and above and anywhere from, uh, you know, 200 to 220 pounds. So it's a little bit of an anomaly that way, but here's the best news. They, they all have skill and they all play fast and they can all produce and play a variety of roles. It's the biggest Canada team that uh, that I've seen in a long time, for sure. And, and especially, and you and you nailed you nailed it right there. Like all these guys can skate, and that's, I mean, in today's game, I understand that you don't necessarily always are able to get the the size and the physicality that should go along with the size. But this group, just I just look at the the rest of the competition and. I, I'm curious to see what style of play Canada is going to deploy here, being so big, being so fast. Um, I guess I guess what I'm asking here is I think they're going to be able to outscore teams, but is goaltending going to be maybe their Achilles heel in this one, if there is one? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the – that's on the come see, right? There's absolutely no question. I mean, Ben Gaudreau has uh, had, uh, you know, an average year in Sarnia. Now, don't get me wrong. The kid – the kid, when he's on, and we can talk to young goaltenders like this till we're blue in the face, but when he's on, you know, he has the ability to steal a game. I don't think that the Canadian goaltenders are going to necessarily have to steal games uh, in this tournament. Uh, it's going to be kind of like the Colorado Avalanche in the playoffs last year. Like, honestly, Darcy Kemper didn't have to steal a game, but he had to be just good enough. You know what I mean? Make the save at the uh, most opportune time. I think it's going to be that way, too, with Canada, whether it's Millich or whether it's Gaudreau. Um, just do your job. You know, you're here to do a job and uh, hopefully Shane Wright isn't firing pucks from the corner into your feet. And, you know, we don't have to worry about uh, those Steve Smith type of uh, scenarios. But uh, um, I did want to point something out because uh, just on the size factor and when we're talking about the American team, if you don't mind, it's it's very interesting to see that the American team has gone the exact opposite of Canada. They've actually come in with, I think they have 12 skaters under six feet tall on their team. So they are a darting, uh, quick-to-space, highly skilled team that might not get the job done physically in the trenches, but what they have is a lot of quickness and a lot of compete to extend plays, like getting there a little quicker out of the gate, you know, active stick. And it'll be interesting if they end up playing each other um, to see the two different uh, styles, if you will, come head-to-head. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the U.S. There, like that's a team that's just littered with first and second round picks, and and this this mm. wasn't the case for a long time. But but the U.S. national development model and just the the rise in popularity in the sport, it, we're seeing more and more first round picks and second round picks and high end first round picks. When you look at at this U.S. team, I, I kind of have the same questions with them as I do with Canada, and in this case. This is a more inexperienced net mining trio that the U.S. has compared to Canada's. It, it absolutely is. And uh, I have to be honest, and I don't know if he's going to get the net or not, but Trey Augustine, who plays at the U.S. national team uh, development program in Plymouth there, the U18s, um, for me, he gives them uh, the most calming type of style in the crease. And I know that sounds a little bit unusual, but 
you know, defensemen like goalies who, if there's a chip and chase on, defensemen love a goalie who can get out, play the puck, move it. They know they can count on. They also like uh, goalies who eat pucks, you know, like the rebound control. He's the best of the three for the U.S., but he's 18 years old, or not even 18 years old yet. Like, that's, this is a huge test for somebody like that if he does get the net. Um, so that's going to be the wild card for the U.S., but, you know, they're going to have the puck, like, a lot more than their opponents, the Logan Cooleys, the Luke Hughes, the Lane Hudsons. I mean, you know, you could go up and down their lineup. Cutter Goche, uh, Rutger McGordy, like, they're, they're a very deep lineup. Uh, those last two names that I mentioned to you are the bigger, more physical players, and they'll rely on them to extend plays in the trenches. Um, but the other guys, like uh, Cooley's a dynamic, dynamic player. And Hudson's one of my favorite players on the planet. He's an undersized defenseman, but he just uh, leaks oil in terms of skill. He's awesome. Like, this kid's great, um, and he's super competitive uh, defensively, even though he's not a big guy, and he's a Montreal Canadiens draft. As a Leaf fan, of course, he's a Montreal Canadiens draft pick. Um, listen, <laughs> Jason, uh, always fun this time of year. Thank you so much for for taking a couple minutes for us. Appreciate it, and uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you and the family. As a, and uh, and a happy New Year as well. As a, I'm sure we'll talk to you on the show uh, uh, when the New Year comes around. Thanks, Jason. Absolutely, happy holidays. Thanks for having me. And there he goes, Jason Bukla, NHL on Sportsnet and former director of amateur scouting for the Florida. Panthers and um, we're, we're just wrapping up hour one here on the Jeff Merrick show our last episode for this calendar year uh, Mike Fuda NHL on sports editor former NHL executive joining me after the break here and then Annie O'Donnell host of the OD on sports podcast our NHL Christmas wish list that's all coming up in hour two of the Jeff Merrick show with Matt Marchese talk to you in a few Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hour two of the final and the final hour of the Jeff Merrick show for the calendar year of 2022 and pleased to be joined on the line by Mike Fuda, NHL on sports and former NHL executive. And, and one of my pals, I don't know if he thinks I'm a pal, but I know we talk every once in a while. And I know that my old man has old ball hockey stories of Mike. And he says, Mike was really, really good. Uh, does that sound about right? Yes. Your old man is. Correct. <laughs> and and you're and we are definitely a pal. So okay. we're two for two. Good start. Excellent. Two for two. Excellent. Good start. Well, I wanted to when I was texting you yesterday, I wanted to I wanted to look at the Canadian teams before the break hits. And you know, some have had their ups, some have had their downs, some have had more ups and than others, and others have had more downs than others. But when we look at like I, I want to start with the Leafs here, Mike. And they to me. They've been one of the bigger surprises among the Canadian teams only because when I came into this season, I said, I got a lot of questions about the goaltending. That's been answered in spades. I I had questions about, is this roster even better than it was last year when they lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning? And while I don't know if, if it actually is better, it may be a little bit deeper, especially on the back end. But could you have ever envisioned this Leafs team being so competent defensively, especially with all their injuries? Uh, no. Uh, like, first of all, I mean, we always talk for this team about, and I've, I've said this in Sportsnet quite often, is that, you know, we don't have an expectation for the regular season anymore, right? Like, it, it, it's what we do in the playoffs. The last year, you know, they were this offensive juggernaut. They were breaking records left, right, and center. You know, and then they, you know, they were much better in the playoffs, but they didn't get past where they they need to get. And then this year's team, the way they came out of the gate, I mean, I was very disappointed because when you have that much time off and you're supposed to be hungry, their start was I thought was lethargic. It looked uh, it looked a bit uh, like overconfident in a in a cocky sense, which I don't think they, you know, you want to play with confidence, but you don't want to play with arrogance. And then whatever happened there, like when Sheldon Keith had to roll up back. I think he, something went off, an alarm went off in his head, and the team just played entirely different style. And with the injuries too, like I mean, the way they're defending as a five-man unit, like Mitch Marner is, you know, he could be Selkie, he could be Hart. He's just been like 
unbelievable the 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 role he went on points wise, but even his play away from the puck went to another level. And I mean, and even like Austin Matthews, everybody you know he's going to score seventy this year. No, but he's playing outstanding, and the way this team is bought in, and like <laughs> it, it's off the charts how competitive they're coming out of the gate, even certain games. Like even the Philly game, like they would have found a way to blow that, and it, it just was never in doubt that they were going to get it done. Uh, still, I hate the one thing I do hate though, Matt, is this whole whining about the you know this the way the divisions are set up. And I'm, I mean, selfishly, I mean, I was based in Los Angeles for 14 years when it was like when you came into San Jose, Anaheim, and our into Los Angeles, you were going to get beaten, you're going to get bruised, and every year we had to go through one another with the same playoff format so get over the fact that you know Tampa Bay and Boston are good teams and you're going to have to feed you're going to have to beat one of them uh you know we all got cups down there uh you know and I'm one we won uh San Jose was the only team that came out of it without cups but they won many playoff rounds and got themselves to the finals you got to find a way to overcome that kind of adversity and I just love the way this team yeah played. and 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 the other thing is too with this this Leaf team especially is like the, you mentioned they're not scoring at the same pace that they were last year and they're on pace to I believe break the all-time points record that they set last year for the organization and you know I I we I know that Sheldon Keefe is probably not going to get Jack Adams uh nominations here but he's done a really nice job and I know Kyle Dubas has caught a lot of heat but the goaltending situation has worked out, and these guys should get their kudos uh, when they're deserved, and that's right now. Well, I agree with you, but I, I mean, I think it's because of what, first of all, I don't, I wouldn't roll the deck back on Sheldon Keefe will be a Jack Adams finalist if this continues in my mind. The only thing keeping him from being the, the, the victor is, is, is Jimmy Montgomery and the Bruins just won't lose to anybody. So, I, I think the job he's done has been masterful, um, and the guys have bought into it. You can even feel his confidence in his press conferences coming through. Um, he was a very—I mean, I, I was fortunate to coach him, and his competitive nature is off the charts. And his nickname was the Professor. So, you get these superstars buying into a—you know—a young coach. It's—it's uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, my my only is if you're looking Tampa Bay straight in the straight in the eyes, right? Uh, they're both teams that. I mean, first of all, I take Vasilevsky over anybody in the world. There's no knock against the Leafs goaltending, um, which is dangerous. I, I think the defense is kind of, you know, I think the top four for Toronto, uh, Trump, the top four for Tampa, although it's, you know, you can argue either way and stuff. So it's going to be a battle. And both of these general managers, and I do give Kyle plenty of credit, I think it's the next move that's going to be critical because you're almost in a dead heat. Uh, you should be much fresher with all the Tampa Bay uh, playoff miles on them, but uh, they always seem to make uh, Kyle makes an addition at the deadline that's for the most part a really positive one. And uh, Julian Prisbois doesn't sit on it either. He usually had something down the stretch last year. I think it was Paul and you know another defenseman. So I think the next one's going to be critical because it's 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 like a chess match between two teams that are almost like, you know what are they aiding eight against each other or four and four their last eight outings. So it's critical. And I mean. And the other factor is staying healthy. And I think that was the biggest knock on the goaltending thing with the Leafs is not that when this guy's healthy, he can't do it. It's a matter of staying healthy. And and both of these two teams have kind of avoided any huge injuries down the big so far. And knock on wood, I hope they both maintain their health uh, up front with the big boys. I mean, obviously, the Leafs are beat, beat up in the back end, but you just got to make sure that you stay healthy down the stretch. And, in particular in the goaltending position. So uh, uh, one more on the Leafs before we move on to uh, to another Canadian team. And and I, I want to give you a platform here to wax poetic about Mark Giordano because I know, I know you know Gio very well. Um, and I know that what I saw last year when the Leafs acquired him was I saw a different a different mindset or, or, or more of a comfortability among the leaf defense. Once Mark Giordano got there, I, what I love about Mark Giordano is it feels like he can relate to any player. He, he toiled in the not toiled, but he, he, he plied his trade in the minors, went to Russia. So he's done both of those things. He wasn't drafted, but he's won a Norris trophy and he's had an incredible career because and in spite of all of that. And at, at his advanced age now being the oldest player in the league, 
he certainly doesn't look like it right now. And he's been a, a, a nice addition, especially taking less money to help the Leafs with their cap situation. Well, you just pretty much touched all the bases other than he won the Mark Messier leadership award too. So you got, you got a guy that's just as good as it gets as a human being. Uh, it's amazing to think that he had lost his confidence in Seattle last year. Early. Um, he was struggling with his minutes, his, uh, you know, even called me once and asked, do you think I'm going to get traded? And I'm like, you <laughs> you're going to get traded. And it's going to be like, uh, and Seattle's having a better year this year, but it's going to be like a get-out-of-jail-free card. And uh, unfortunately, he should be a Carolina Hurricane. And that's one of the reasons I'm completely with Sportsnet now, because <laughs> that was botched. But uh, the one thing about, you know, you're going to get with Mark is loyalty. And I don't think there's a better fit uh, for a a person that's that wonderful a human being to be able to come back and play in his hometown. Uh, you know, he's had the rigors of being a captain in the Canadian market and he's played for Daryl Sutter. And, you know, he, he's, he's been through it all except the winning. And if this team's ever going to get over the hump, if it, it, it could happen with Mark Giordano leading the way on an $800,000 contract, when I know he left $4 million on the table in other places, it just speaks volumes uh, about him. And and, that, and it's sometimes I said in the past, like, you know, we kind of got Jason Spezza and, and Jumbo Thornton and Patrick Marlowe. You know, they were bringing a lot of experience, but we were kind of getting a shadow of, of the greatness that they weren't when they were in their prime. And what Gio's doing right now is playing like the Norris Trophy candidate. And, I mean, obviously, I said this, if the Norris Trophy was like more like a sulky version for a defenseman, He'd yeah. get votes, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, obviously he's not putting up the numbers, but he's doing that because he doesn't have to. And and that alludes to what you said earlier about this Leaf team. They're not scoring as much, but they're scoring at much more critical times. And it's like the, the amount of times that an opponent scored and they come right on and, and answering the bell immediately. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to watch, but you know as well as I do that the only measuring stick's going to come in the first round of the playoffs and getting through that. And, I mean, I've never seen a team that's, Actually, you're thinking if they get through the first, they should be Stanley Cup favorites. But they've got to get through that wall. They've got to get through that wall, and it's not going to be easy, and uh, they've got to stay healthy. And I think the way they're playing now gives them a better chance to get through that wall, but you still have to still have to do it on the ice. Mike Fuda, NHL on Sportsnet, and uh, former NHL executive Stanley Cup champion. I could go through the list of credentials, but it's too long for for this episode of the show. Um, so so uh, the other team in Ontario, Ottawa, has just had a hard time keeping the puck out of their net. And when I look at the team, I look and say they're they've got a ton of talent up front. And they're going to get Josh Norris back, and and it looks good. But their biggest issue is they can't keep the puck out of their own net. And do you think that Pierre Dorian is willing to part with the necessary package to get the top flight defenseman that they so desire? Well, he has to. I mean, I mean, if everybody gets, I mean, there's a guy that seems to win every summer and then it doesn't translate when the season starts. But uh, other than, I mean, I think Sanderson is going to be a stud. He already is. Uh, and Shabbat's a great, and other than that, they did nothing to address the back end. I mean, Obviously, Talbot got hurt out of the out of the gate, and uh, I just think when you've got this, it's very similar to Vancouver. When you've got this wealth of forwards up front, and you continue to sign them and get them all on long term deals, but you don't address the back end, and there weren't defensemen available uh, to help build to build out, and that's everybody knows defense defense wins titles and strong goaltending, and I don't think any of that's been addressed. You know, they lose. They lose big names up front. Like Paul was a really good player for them. Obviously doing well in Tampa. And you have some bodies moved out. You've got to address the back end. And I mean, I love the Giroux factor. I think Tuchuk has proven like what a throwback superstar can be. But again, uh, you can't. If you look at the Leafs now. They're happy to win two one or three one. And here's Ottawa. That's you know it's seven five or five. It's it's like a track meet every day. So. You've got to play discipline, but you've really got to find some find some top veteran defensemen to come in so Sanderson isn't beaten up and wore down when he's ready to take the next step and he's already lost all his confidence. And same thing with Shabbat. Just very poorly uh, uh, built roster on the back end. Uh, some quick hitters here. Um, Montreal, way better than expected. 
their their young talent has really stepped up and and they've got a, a nice story like Arbor Jack guy on the back end who's who's really impressed this year. So, but not so much a question, but kudos to Martin San Louis for how this team plays because it really does feel like the players like playing for him. And I, I wanted to ask you from a, a front office perspective, you know, the hiring process of Martin San Louis was not something that. I think anybody expected uh, he had no coaching experience at any high level except for, you know, coaching his kids hockey. And, and I don't even know what the level was, but do you think that more teams might take a chance on a former player who's not far out of the game, who maybe has a different way to look at things? Because I, I've heard stories about Martin San Luis and he knows how much he hated certain practices that coaches ran and he refuses to do that. Like maybe there's not a, Maybe there's not a long-term success path here, but whatever he's doing right now is clearly working. And I'm just curious, like, do you think other teams may look at that model and go, maybe it's, you know, what we've tried in the past hasn't worked. Maybe this is worth a shot. Uh, well, I mean, I've I've had the fortunate of spending some time with Martin St. Louis as a person, just picking his brain and stuff at the old Marriott there in Toronto. He'd come in coaching his kids' team and, He's just got a passion, and it's very similar to Sheldon Keefe. Like, it's the passion for the game. You can just feel the burn. Um, I think it helps when you've got a general manager that's, that's come in or a president, and and they've been given the time to turn this around properly. Um, they're not under the gun so much to speak. I, like, I was doing a thing that went over, I think it was the 2018 draft, that Montreal had the third pick overall and took Todd Kinyemi, who ended up losing on an offer sheet, and then... Uh, Brady Chuck was the fourth pick. <laughs> so you look at some different, uh, a couple of different rolls of the dice, and they're, they're even further ahead than they are. But I just I think there's a little bit of going I would caution. I love watching them play. I love the talent. I love how you see a player like Caulfield, obviously, and Suzuki thriving under under St. Louis. And and he says it's always fun coming to the rink, but they're right now they're kind of at that stage. They're playing with the house money, and there aren't those expectations to win. Um, eventually there are going to be expectations to win and that's when you have to be able to push the bar. And it's not always as fun coming to work when there's that much pressure. Like right now they can lose games and play entertaining hockey and the fans are still thrilled because they're at that building phase. Um, crazy story. You talked about uh, the back end there with, uh, with Wi-Fi is because Mark Hunter was pushing him big time to the Ottawa Senators DJ Smith, and, and uh, their management didn't see the same player. Oops. <laughs> the same player, and he ended up in Montreal. <laughs> so that would have helped Ottawa's back end without question. But uh, no, I, I think it's 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 fun, and I think they can stay true to their plan. They still got some chips to play uh, on. Like I mean, they've got Sean Monahan, and I think Hoffman are all on expiring deals, so they can add some assets down the stretch. I don't think you know holding on those players uh, for a, a, a vague playoff push is really in the cards right now. So they can stay true to their plan and add some more assets and really push forward because uh, they've got some lovely pieces in place, that's for sure. Even the carry price card, you know, whatever is going to happen. Yeah. There, I mean, if he ever becomes an asset again or finds his game, like, look out, look out. Yeah, for sure. Um, on Winnipeg here, and, and you talk about, you know, maybe uh, not so much pressure and, and going into, like, everything could have pointed to a, a, a disastrous season here. You know, they were... They were high on Barry Trotz, and that didn't happen, so Rick Bonus gets the job. And then, you know, they take the captaincy away from Blake Wheeler, and Pierre-Luc Dubois looks like, oh, I don't want to be in Winnipeg long-term. But, man, the job that Rick Bonus has done with this group, and specifically a guy like Josh Morrissey, I've just been super impressed with how this team has played. And, you know, we there used to be the raw, raw guys, the coaches that were, you know, the hard-ass coach or whatever, but... Rick Bonus has really done a good job with this group, and he seems like the furthest from the hard-ass coach, and whatever he's doing right now is working and working out really, really well. Well, it proves, too. Like, I mean, obviously, DeBoer and Spot are doing a great job in Dallas, but there was no, no fluke to the fact that Dallas was successful under him as well. I mean, I mean that's an organization that's... It's a tough situation because, and obviously, they're playing incredible, and Helen Buck's got his game back, but... Uh, there, there must have been a little bit more underlying into the Paul Maurice thing. And, I mean, I love Paul Maurice. I think he's an amazing coach. He's brilliant. He's articulate. But the way they reacted after they beat uh, Florida, there was a little bit of a different pop. It wasn't like you had 
a coach that you were in love with that you just knocked off. You know, like there wouldn't have been, it, it was more like a, there was some bite to them that they had something to prove to their coach, uh, their old coach. And, and that tells me that they're rallying themselves. Um, they're in a tough situation because, and it's a great hockey market, but when players have the option to choose their where they want to be, it's not always the first place on their list. I mean, and that's just a fact. And, uh, and that doesn't take away from the fact that it's an incredible hockey market with a great fan base. But that's one of the things that, in talking with the, the Winnipeg brass and stuff, they, they have to be really careful about trading first-round picks or something to bring a player in as a rental because when you draft your own players, you can build them and, and, and have them closer than the loving Winnipeg, whereas if you bring in a rental player, uh, it's not as easy to keep them around uh, after after year one. So they've got to really protect their picks and their assets as well. you get got a player like Morrissey, you know, Western Canada kid, that can buy in and isn't not throwing off. He's used to the snow and he's used to the weather and all he's got to worry about is, you know, loving the city and loving the jersey he pulls over. Um, the fact that they took the C away and to have Wheeler still playing exceptionally well, Mark Shifley seems to have got his game back. It just speaks volumes of how they're buying into this head coach. And uh, again, uh, when you've got Helen Buck playing Helen Buck style, they're going to be a tough team in the playoffs. I mean, uh, even last night, I think they had a two-goal lead on Boston early, but everybody knows you're not allowed to win in Boston this year. So uh, they came back. But it, 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 I love the way they make up. They're a very hard team to play against. They've got some some guys that like Adam Lowry that's just a beast to play against. And, and they're doing it again. I mean, I don't I look at the injury list. That's pretty pretty profound list that they got out. I think Ellers is over than Lilo and Smith. There's some big boys out of the lineup, so they're finding a way to do it. Uh, kind of with the, the lunch bucket mentality, and it's it's fun to watch. They certainly are fun to watch, and I'd be curious to see how the uh, the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation plays itself out, because I do wonder if uh, if the way they're playing has really kind of helped their case and maybe keeping him in Winnipeg. Uh, Mike, we're we're fresh out of time here, but I uh, wanted to uh, to thank you for, for the time that you give us on the show, uh, especially this season so far. Um, and of course, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you and the family. I know uh, this is a, a special time of year for you, and uh, and we'll talk to you in the new year. Same to you. Enjoy your dadding for free. That'll be your first Christmas dadding, isn't it for you? It, it is, and I'm sure I'll mess it up, Mike. Don't worry. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> Love to the family. Good, Thanks, friend. buddy. There Bye-bye. he goes. Mike Fuda, NHL on Sportsnet and former NHL executive. Uh, Annie O'Donnell, the host of the OD on Sportscast, our sports podcast, will join me after the break. It's our NHL Christmas wish list. That's coming up. The Jeff Merrick Show with Matt Marchese. We'll be back in a few. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the final segment of the Jeff Merrick Show. I'm Matt Marchese, the final segment for 2022. As we will be off next week, but don't don't fret. We will be back January 2nd. Jeff will be actually at the Winter Classic, so that should be fun. I will be in the host chair on that day. Um, as we await uh, our next guest, Annie O'Donnell, uh, from the the Odeon Sports Podcast, uh, you got to do yourself a favor. Um, follow her on Twitter at Sweet Annie O D, and I believe that her TikTok is the same uh, of the same name. And she is fantastic on TikTok. She creates NHL videos. Um, they're funny. They're entertaining, and uh, and she kicks ass while she does it. And uh, I'm waxing poetic about her, and she's not even on the line to hear it. So that's good because then she can't hold anything over my head. So what we wanted to do here was we wanted to put together a Christmas wish list, something that we would like to grant each team ahead of the Christmas break here. And and there are there are plenty of things that that teams need, but what we have noticed is that there are some teams, and and I and so what we did was. I have we have every other team. So Annie will start things off when we when we get going with the Anaheim Ducks because that is her team. Uh, she loves the Ducks almost probably almost a little bit too much. Um, and we go through each list and and what I noticed and I'm curious to see what she has for Boston because I don't think they need anything. 
I, I don't think the Boston Bruins need a thing, but we'll see what she says. And, and she joins me on the line now and a very happy birthday to Annie O'Donnell, who joins us on the line now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt. How are you? I'm I'm very well. I got to stay home today because, like I mentioned to you last night, uh, the weather is horrible here. Um, something you don't have to deal with in uh, in your neck of the woods all that often, right? No, I mean, I, I would complain. It is a little colder here, but it's nothing compared to what you guys are dealing with. So I'll complain about, like, 50-degree weather. Meanwhile, you're like, okay, Annie, be quiet. <laughs> you yeah, don't know yeah, bad that, weather. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, you're, now, I threw this out there because I want to, do, I want to get to our Christmas wish list in just a second. Um, your TikTok uh, profile, is it the same as your Twitter profile? I just want to make sure that I'm on the same page. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. So it's at Sweet Annie O D on Twitter, on TikTok. Go follow her. She's a star in the making. Don't you forget about it. And when she makes it big, she'll never forget that I had her on the radio a, a few times. And and that's oh, all. More than a few. I will never forget you, Matt. <laughs> I, all right. So- I live for I live for the baby pictures. I live for the dog pictures on social media. I will never unfollow you. I will never I forget will, you. Man. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a couple of new ones from yesterday. So, um, okay, our NHL Christmas wish list. So uh, I'll let you kick things off because you have the Anaheim Ducks, and that's your team. What are you gifting the Anaheim Ducks for Christmas? The first overall pick in this year's draft. <laughs> I, uh, I I could have gone for something a little bit more immediate term, like relearning how to play defense, because this team just seems to have forgotten how to do that. Sweet poor Lukas Dostal is absolutely holding it down in net lately for the Ducks while Gibson and Stolarz are are injured. But I think long-term, the Ducks have yet to have a first overall pick in their entire 29 years of existence in the National Hockey League. And with a talent like Connor Bedard, who's friends and has played with young Mason McTavish, I think it would just be the perfect addition to an already young, exciting, up-and-coming team. And, you know, when you're thinking wishes, I'm like, listen, let's be realistic here. No amount of you talk of coaching change, obviously Dallas Eakins is not the guy to take this team, but this is not a playoff team. There's no way you can turn this team around into a playoff team this year. Pat Rubik would have to work absolute magic. So I'm thinking big picture here. Let's grant them that first overall pick. Oh, that would be a nice one because, you know, they missed out on that Crosby guy a few years ago. Um, yeah, all no right, kidding. So I, I had the <laughs> Brian, Arizona. I think Brian Burke is still like, even though Brian Burke is, is working for the Penguins now, I think he still curses the day missing out on Sidney Crosby in that draft. As he said, the, the Penguins model was they won a damn lottery. Um, okay, so I had the <laughs> Arizona Coyotes. And, and for me, uh, a present for the Arizona Coyotes. I was thinking about the first overall pick, but what I think is very important here is a haul for Jacob Chikrin. And wouldn't it be nice for them to not only get Carter Bedard, yes, but also get more pieces for the future and their new arena whenever the hell that gets built. So so that's my wish for the Arizona Coyotes. And you had the Boston Bruins, and I thought this was a tough one because I don't know what you can give someone uh, for Christmas that has everything that they could possibly need and there's a couple options here and i kind of i threw down a couple i threw down a david posternock extension you know the bruins want that to get done um i threw down more a better farm system i mean they've give they've thrown away their first round picks in the last few times mostly to the ducks by the way we've been collecting those but i know uh with this draft being as deep as it was the hope is that they hang on to that pick uh, coming up at the trade deadline but I mean, I would say for this year, I mean, it's kind of all or nothing at this point. I mean, you got Patrice Bergeron on that one-year deal. If you want to win, if you want a chance at a cup with him wearing that C, this might be the year to do it with the way the Boston Bruins are going. So I'm going to, on their wish list, got to say a cup run this playoff. Yeah, absolutely. I, like you said, it could it could be a not a one and done, but there are some aging veterans on that roster that they need right. to uh, they need to win now. So I had the Buffalo Sabers and. Uh, their Christmas present from me is some saves because this is a team that I would love to see in the playoffs because they score a ton. They're exciting to watch. And if they could just get a few more saves, I would love to see Tage Thompson, that long reach, the incredible hands and that speed play in the playoffs because I think that would be so much fun uh, to watch just because, you know, the Sabres, listen, they've gone through it. Um, they, their fans deserve a playoff here like you know I'm a Buffalo Bills fan and I've seen what that means to the people in the city of Buffalo I know the Sabres hold a similar place in their hearts so some saves 
would be nice for Christmas for the Buffalo Sabres. And you had the Calgary Flames. And I'm interested to see what you have for the Flames here because I think there's a couple of things that they could probably ask for for Christmas. A couple things. Uh, for me, Pierre, I just feel like, you know, and I want to give Brad, Brad Chilliving his his credit. After losing Johnny Gaudreau, after losing Matthew Kachuk, he went out on a revenge tour this summer and got pieces, got Jonathan Huberdeau, signed Nazem Kadri. Honestly, just well done by him. But I still think they're sensing the loss of Gaudreau and Kachuk. So I'm saying give the, give the Calgary Flames just a goal scorer, just a pure winger that can just net from anywhere. I, I think that's like the one key piece they're missing. And they've been kind of up and down so far this year. So I think some goal scoring would add some more consistency for them. Even, you know, I guess you could say that for a bunch of teams, but I just feel like that's the one thing that they're just really starving for right now. Yeah, they're really solid on the back end. And I think Jacob Markstrom is, is ready to, to turn it around. So I have the Carolina Hurricanes. And for me, this one's pretty simple. Just get Max Pacioretty in the lineup. They're already a really good team, even though it's, it's going to take some time for him to get acclimated to playing again after the Achilles injury. Uh, this is an, adding another score for free, which you basically did in the offseason, to a team that's already good. They're already scary. Pyotr Kachekov has been awesome. I can't even imagine what this team is going to look like with Max Pacioretty in the lineup because they're already really good and they're rolling teams now and they're first in the Metro. I mean, talk about a, a scary situation in Carolina. You had the unfortunate task of trying to gift the Chicago Blackhawks something because um, they, they, they're, the, they're the kid that wants everything and actually needs everything. <laughs> I know. My entire list, I've got like the bottom three teams in the league. But... um. For Chicago, I mean, there's a lot of avenues I could have gone, but I think when you're in an absolute explosion rebuild, you're talking about trading, you know, your two franchise players that have been for the last, you know, decade. But for my Christmas wish for them, and this is probably, but, but Christmas is the time for miracles, in the words of Hans Gruber. So um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, give Chicago a team that is willing to take on that Seth Jones contract. Yes, because there's excellent. no way there's a team that's gonna do that. But I just don't understand. I don't see how you can absolutely tear everything down and keep Seth Jones on the payroll. I just, I, I don't know how that's gonna work, but. I mean, Davidson's going to have to figure it out. So, and I don't think you want to have that buyout or take off, even taking on, you know, any kind of cap hit with that kind of money. I, I think, I don't know, but I, like I said, miracles can happen. So that's my wish for them. So you're saying there's a chance. The, the old Jim Caroline, you're saying there's a chance. Um, I, I got the easy, another easy one. I really did luck out on this one. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche. And for me, health. Plain and simple, we want to see them in the playoffs. We want to see them healthy. It looks like they're going to get Nathan McKinnon back in, in a bit. Josh Manson, the same. And then Gabriel Landeskog at some point in in January or early February. And I love dynasties, and the Avs absolutely have the pieces to be one of those memorable teams. But it's going to come down to health. Can, can their stars stay healthy? They've been able to stay afloat with those guys out of the lineup, but... If they can't stay healthy, I mean, everybody thinks, yeah, they're going to be okay. But that Western Conference is a lot tighter than I think we expected it to be this year. So I just want the Colorado Avalanche to be healthy because I absolutely love dynasties. Oh, here, here's another one for you. Another not so good team right now that could use a lot of things. Um, How did you do with the Columbus Blue Jackets? I mean, that an easy one for them is health. I mean, that that injured list is getting longer by the second, it feels like. Along with, I mean, co- between Colorado, Washington, uh, the Flyers are also hit with the injury bug, too. Uh, so many teams. And it's, you know, I kind of, it, it's the way that, that things go with, with sports. People get hurt. But some, some of these teams just seem to have hit such bad luck here. Um, I had a little, I decided to take a different route with Columbus. Give them a new reverse retro jersey because theirs is my least favorite. <laughs> it is number 32 of 32. So boring. I can't, uh, I don't like their jerseys as they are. So I guess I, that's not really fair to say for me, but I absolutely despise their reverse retro jersey. I I knew I could count on you for a reverse retro jersey take. I just didn't think it was going to come in the form of the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I'm happy that you got us there because, uh, yeah, I agree. There's some that are absolutely brilliant. Like, I love Minnesota's. Uh, but, yeah, Columbus is uh, pretty far down the totem pole 
for me. Um, so I, I was tasked with the Dallas Stars. And, you know, it's one of those teams that I don't I don't see a ton of holes. Like maybe they could add like a bottom six defenseman or whatever. But I like to have fun on Christmas. And I think that the Dallas Stars for Christmas should get a top six forward. Hard to ask for something like this when it's clearly a luxury. But it could be the thing that ends up pushing this team over the top. Miro Heiskanen has been really good. Uh, Jason Robertson has been fantastic. That whole line hints Robertson and Pavelski has been great. And Jake Ottinger is turning into a star. But could you imagine if they get another top six forward to play with, you know, like Jamie Benn's been really good. Tyler Sagan has been better. My goodness, uh, that could be that could be a really, really fun team. Um, you had the Detroit Red Wings. I'm curious to see where you went with Detroit here because a lot of hype surrounding them in the offseason because of what Steve Eiserman did, but is there something that's missing here? I mean, they're another team that's been hit really hard with some injuries too. But for me, I despite the fact that they have caused me as a Ducks fan so much pain throughout the last 10, 15 years, but I do believe that the NHL is more fun when the Detroit Red Wings are good. They have been such an exciting team to watch. And just that constant dominance in the playoffs for, what, 25 seasons, was it, around there? So, absolutely, I I miss them being good. So, for them, I'm gifting them a playoff appearance. Get back into the playoffs. It does. They probably won't do much from there. I don't see, just because there's still you know a lot of young pieces there. Uh, young guys are still coming up, getting used to the league. I still think they're missing, like, a guy. I know you've got a guy like Dylan Larkin who's wearing the C, but you need, like, a Steve Eiserman. You need, like, a Nick Lidstrom. You need just a star. And maybe you have that in Maritz Sider and Lucas Raymond, but I'm I'm talking the Eiserman-level star. I think the Red Wings need somebody like that. But I'm going to gift them a playoff appearance in 2022. Get back into the playoffs. I like it because I do agree the league is better when the Detroit Red Wings are better. I have the Edmonton Oilers, and this is a really easy one for me. Everybody's going to say a save or a defenseman. I want to <laughs> gift them a new helmet for Yessi Pugliarvi, one that actually fits because they still haven't found that yet in Edmonton, and maybe they will on his next team, which I believe will be uh, by trade deadline, he will have a new helmet with a new team and hopefully one that fits him. Uh, you had the Florida Panthers, and, and this is a team, high expectations after acquiring Matthew Kachuk, but they don't have much to deal from here. What are you giving them for Christmas? Um, quick, I had a fun one because I, I stick by it nonetheless. Uh, get rid of the current, the new, I guess, current jerseys. Bring back the 90s Leaping Cat. Abs, that's still one of my favorite <laughs> NHL jerseys. I want them to bring that back. I don't... I don't understand how anybody can prefer the current one to that. I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. But I do think for them, despite all the offense that they have, especially with a guy like Matthew Kachuk, give them an improved power play. The fact that they are so, I think they're ranked 26th or 27th in the league right now. There's too much talent on that team to be ranked that low. Get that power play up and running because you're not going to make it very far in that division or in that conference with that low of a power play. Yeah, that's good. And and they've got good reverse retro jerseys. So maybe they can wear those a little bit more often. Those are, I, I do I like, like that, that with the powder blue. I do, I do. I think they're a little, everyone's kind of over. I do think they're a little overhyped. Like everyone's like, oh, they're top, top three. I don't think they're a top three, but they are a great look. They've, they've gone two for two on reverse retro jerseys. I'll give them that. I will say this. If there's somebody I go to for jersey rankings, you are nearer at the top of my list for that. Cause I know you've got a great touch with reality and, uh, and what looks good. Um, Okay, the LA, I got the LA Kings, and, and simple, competent goaltending. Uh, Phoenix Copley has been playing well, but he's certainly not the answer. I, I think they could be a fun playoff team, but, you know, we talk about the, the Eastern Conference being tight. The Western Conference is just as tight, and if they can't get goaltending, they're probably not going to get into the playoffs. So I know you would be okay if they missed the playoffs being an Anaheim Ducks fan, but if they had any sort of goaltending, they would actually – you know, be in that conversation. And, and you, you had the Minnesota wild, my favorite reverse retro Jersey, by the way, because it is absolutely stellar with the green gold and white. What are you giving the Minnesota wild for Christmas? I completely agree with that. It was just such an improvement. It, it is the same. It's kind of, it's the same concept as the previous one, but the last one definitely looked like a subway wrapper. Whereas this one just pops. <laughs> the green as the base changes. It's a simple color slot that changes 
everything. But for the Minnesota Wild, I love most people from Minnesota. I absolutely love. I've never been to Minnesota, so I can't say that I love everyone I've met. But um, I, they're called the state of hockey for a reason. They love the Wild. They love the sport of hockey. I want to give them a deep. I want to give them a sustainable playoff run, getting into the playoffs and actually doing something with it. I do also think goaltending could be improved upon. May get the Mark Andre Fleury that they signed up for and that everybody knows and loves. I don't think he's played up to par this year so far. So get some consistent goaltending in there, and I think they've got a solid team. Yeah, they really do, and uh, I agree. I and they and they're tough. Like having Marcus Foligno there, having Ryan Reeves, like they're a team that I I agree. I want to see go on a deep playoff run, and I hope that they wear the reverse retro jerseys throughout the playoffs. That's me being it's selfish, a, and and that's fine. It's- very Billy Garen built team. Once, if you look yes. at it up and down, you're like, you know, this makes sense. This, <laughs> he definitely, you know, he's definitely. You can tell he's the general manager and put his personal touch on building that roster. I totally agree. So I, um, as a Leaf fan, I had to gift the Montreal Canadiens with something, and it wasn't Cole, unfortunately. Uh, but for oh. them, Yuri uh, Slavkovsky to pick up his head. I don't know if there's a buzzer that we could put on him to keep his head up, but already four big hits on him in his young career. Like there's got to be a device that we could, we could have him. like the one that they claim that Tom Brady had in his sock when they would buzz him when there was weak side pressure coming that he couldn't see. We need the Tom Brady device for Yuri Slavkovsky so we could keep his head up and stay in the NHL for a long, long period of time, because I think he's going to be a fun player to watch. Uh, as long as he could stay healthy and and stay with his head up, um, the Nashville Predators you had, and they're one of the most confusing teams that uh, in this league right now. Uh, what did you give the Nashville Predators for Christmas? I gave them getting out of purgatory. I think one of the worst places to be, not only as a team but as a fan, is kind of where the Ducks were not too long ago. Actually, it's where you're not good enough to be a playoff team, but you're not bad enough. To- down and rebuild or qualify for a draft pick. And I personally, I thought the Predators were close to, you know, tearing it apart last season. But of course, thanks to UC Soros, they squeezed their way into a playoff spot where they unfortunately met the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. And we all know what happened there. But I do think there's, it's, it's kind of frustrating and both confusing because there's so much talent on that team. You got Philip Forsberg, you've got UC Soros, you got Roman Yossi captaining that team. But this team is just, they're all together. I mean, even Matt, Matthew Shane's not my favorite player, but even he has stepped up a couple of times this year. But just, I think in this point, they're just kind of delaying the inevitable. I don't think they're good enough for another cup run with the roster that they have, but they're also not bad enough. So I think you got to make one choice or another. Hey, let's make some trades. Let's improve this team so we can compete in a very difficult division. I mean, think about the Central. You've got, or not, yeah, the Central. You've got Dallas. You got Winnipeg. You got Minnesota. I mean, Colorado. That's a tough division to play in right now. So make some improvements, or I'm not saying tank, but hey, let's rebuild let's start from scratch make a decision here yeah i agree so we got to boogie through the the last few that we have here um i got the new jersey devils and some grit in the lineup i I feel like this is the only thing that's really missing from this team and being a really solid playoff team Uh, i know it's it's easy to say the goaltending but it's been it's been manageable this year with vanacek and blackwood but if they get some grit in that lineup especially up front to maybe protect some of the young stars like nico heischer or jack hughes or jesper bratt i think that could go a long way for this team in a lengthy playoff run. Uh, you had the New York Islanders, and I'm assuming that you want some goal scoring there, or maybe you don't. <laughs> goal, I mean, I feel like the Islanders always have wanted goals, needed goal scoring for the last like four seasons and still have tried piece by piece to add guys, but they don't have like just a pure goal score. But for me on my list, I said some respect for Ilya Sorokin as the best goalie in New York. And I know that's a hot take, but I, like I think he's better. He's having a much better year than than Igor. I keep blanking there. Igor Shesterkin. But I think consistently wise, the last few years, he's put up some great numbers. I think he's overall a better goalie. And of course, if there's any Rangers fans that are listening, I'm sure I'm going to not hear the end of it. I made a TikTok where I mentioned that, and I got I'm still getting hate for it in the comments, but. Some respect on Ilya Sorokin's name and possibly some relief because he's getting his well work done because the Islanders are just inconsistent as can be. 
Yeah, New Yorkers and giving you hell? No way. That could never happen. Um, I had the uh, the New York Rangers, and I like this one. Patrick Kane for Christmas. Uh, totally pie in the sky. One. I don't even know how they would make it work, but I would love to see Patrick Kane reunited with Artemi Panarin and give them a bit more scoring punch. My goodness, yeah. that would be a ton of fun. Uh, you got another team that's kind of struggled here. How about the Ottawa Senators? This was the easiest one. Ryan Reynolds as the owner. I could not love the idea of that more for their franchise, just for the psyche there, the amount of traction that'll bring that club. And just even hearing him interview and how he really believes, he's like, hey, this brand and this team, like people could get really excited about it. And I think he would be a perfect part of an NHL ownership group. So I'm gifting the Ottawa Senators the gift of Ryan Reynolds, which honestly, I think that's the best one on this list. If I do say so myself. It is. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good gift. I'm not going to lie. The Philadelphia (laughs) Flyers, uh, a quick end to this season. It started out great. And now it's a complete disaster. Torch is angry. Kevin Hayes gets scratched. They need a rebuild ASAP. And it could not start fast enough because, uh, like you talk about the, the the league is better when the Detroit Red Wings are good. I think the league is better when the Philadelphia Flyers are good because they've got fans, whether you like them or not, that are passionate. Uh, they're yeah. jerks. And uh, and they do they are fun, especially when they're a nasty, nasty hockey team to play against. Uh, you talked about the Pittsburgh Penguins earlier. Uh, you got them on your list. What do the Pittsburgh Penguins need for Christmas? Cap space. <laughs> That's my... I, they're a team that, I mean, um, I think the... Yeah, they're the oldest team in the league. That's right. They still age is not on their side, but they're still not quite. They've got obviously Sid, Gino, Latang, uh, Tristan Jari, Casey DeSmith, finding you know holding it down in net. But they're not a team that's built for a playoff run. Not, they'll make the playoffs, but not built for a cup run. Got to add a couple more pieces while you've got Sid, Gino, and Latang young, healthy. Well, not young, but healthy and don't have the cap space to do it right now. It, it pains. I mean, I'm happy for Ricard Raquel seeing him play so well with the Penguins, but it does hurt my heart a little bit, but I do think they need a couple more pieces in there to really compete against a really, really tough Eastern conference. So yeah. I'm gifting them some cap space. Yeah. And some, and that tough metropolitan division, which is way better yeah. than I thought it was going to be uh, the San Jose sharks, someone to take on some big salaries, you know, Eric Carlson's contract. I wonder what they're going to do with Timo Meyer and his next deal, but this organization needs a bit of a fresh start and a, and to kickstart a new timeline with some young blood They're They're not going to make the playoffs. I, I do believe they're going to make some moves in order to help the process a little bit, but I'm yeah. gifting the San Jose Sharks someone to take on the big salaries so that they can move on. You got, you got a uh, recent expansion team on yours. What do you think uh, the Seattle Kraken need for Christmas? Goaltending. I'm, and I, I put some respect on Philip Grubauer. It's not, I, you know, he had a rough season last year, and that's because you have a new expansion team there and teams trying to figure out how to play together, and it's got to be hard on a goalie. But I just, between Grubauer and Martin Jones, I just don't think that's a tandem that's going to get it done for them. Uh, I, I think it's great seeing them play well and seeing them finally find their way in this league in such a short amount of time, because, you know, I mean, the Vegas golden Knights are kind of an anomaly are, are an anomaly. You don't come into the league the first year and make the, make the Stanley cup final at that. But I was saying maybe Seattle might take a little bit more time, but I, I really like the way they're built. I like uh, the young, I would love to see a little bit more, more development and more work with Shane, Wright. I don't think he's getting his fair shake there, but, goaltending bar none I don't think is good enough to compete in this league so let's give them some consistent goaltending all right we got a few minutes here so we really got to hustle uh St. Louis Blues for me they got to get their identity back for Christmas uh remember when they were just flat out tough to play against uh yeah that's not the same it seems like their toughest player is their goalie and that's Jordan Bennington looking for a fight they're a far cry from the cup winning team from a few years ago I do wonder if they need to uh they need to get their groove back uh one team that doesn't seem we need to get their group back because they're good every year. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm gifting the Tampa Bay Lightning the Michael special stuff from Space Jam because I do think, well, amidst a very deep Eastern Conference, it's very hard. I mean, you went to the Stanley Cup final three years in a row. You're trying to make it a fourth year because I need to see Corey Perry lifting the Stanley Cup one more time before he <laughs> hangs them up. So I want to see them keep it going. I want to see them. They were off to a little bit of a shaky, slow start, 
but now seemingly getting it going, almost seeming like they're waiting for some of the Eastern Conference teams to slow it down a bit so they can rev up and snag one of those top spots. But uh, either some Red Bulls, some of that Michael, Michael Secret stuff, some you know, espresso, I don't know, something to keep the energy up for those big guys, for those great players to just keep it going through the playoffs. All right, I have my hometown team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm gifting them a top six forward to play with John Tavares and Mitch Marner because they don't have one. Uh, it can't be a Cal yeah. Yarn Croak. It can't be. It can't be Alex Kerfoot. It's got to be someone else. Uh, that for me is what they get. How about the Vancouver Canucks? We got about a couple minutes. <laughs> That's a team that could use a lot, but I, I think you got to trade Bo Horvat. You got to get a haul for him. Uh, that's what I'm gifting them. I mean, this is a team that's avoided an absolute takedown of a rebuild for so long, but I think this is the time. you got to trade him while you can get some good return for him and uh, and get this team back going again because the fans of Vancouver are starving here for some good playoff. I feel like they were teased a little bit in that 2020, um, the return to play, bubble playoff, and then after that it's just been downhill since. So sure let's get a, good, sure get a good package for Bo, Bo Horvat. All right, we got to go quick. We got 60 seconds here. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights, the opposing teams need to party harder in Vegas. Uh, you have Washington quickly. The fountain of youth. Stay young so Ovi can beat Gretzky. I like it. Uh, I Winnipeg Jets for me, the last one. Clarity on Pierre-Luc Dubois. Maybe he stays, maybe he doesn't. Annie, I'm fresh out of time, but thank you so much for joining me on the final segment of the Jeff Merrick Show for 2022. Uh, and a happy birthday to you. Thank you, Matt. Always a pleasure chatting with you. There she goes. Annie O'Donnell from the o the OD on Sports podcast. Sweet Annie OD on Twitter and on TikTok. Thank you for everybody for listening to the Jeff Merrick show this calendar year. As we wrap things up, we will not be back next week, but we will be back starting on January 2nd. Much thanks to everybody that helps out with the show. Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick, Lance Kennedy, uh, and of course, the host of this show, Jeff Merrick. Thank you, everyone. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And we'll talk to you in the new year. Take care, everyone.